I'd like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Matlana, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, Preds Power Hour, Ani. Let me check my notes here. Thursday afternoon. Yeah, we have a lot going on tomorrow. Well, I should say I have a lot going on tomorrow. Brian Baston of On the Four Check and Renegade to Puck. I'm getting graduating tomorrow, so I'll be walking and families in town. Like I didn't. My wife was like, "You could just do it in the morning." I'm like, "I'm not messing around with this. I I don't I, I don't think that's gonna go well uh, with so many people in town, so much stuff going on. I I, I could see that being a disaster uh, <laughs> potentially. So let's not add that yeah. to the plate. As someone who's been where you're about to be, you know, who graduated, uh, you know, graduate school and finished up, um, you know, walking, especially for a graduate degree, is gonna be the most amount of stress for a day that you're probably not gonna remember very much about. Mm. And uh, it's more for the other people. It's not for you. My finger will remember forever. Oh, nice. Look at Look that. that. I didn't know we, you could get rings like that for graduating. I'd love to have something that I can use or see on a daily basis that uses my degree. Because uh, yeah. right now, no, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's what it is. Uh, as we learned on this very podcast, you're not allowed on Preds Power Hour without a University of Tennessee graduate degree. Uh, you, me, and Charlie all have our masters from the University of Tennessee. We're very snobby like that. So mm-hmm. when you put in a, when uh, other folks put in a request to join us on Preds Power Hour, just know if you don't have a degree from the Everything School HQ, mm-hmm. uh, you're not going to be on. It's just it's not going to happen. Yeah, you can do it. You can it doesn't matter what degree. You could have something weird like an animal science and breeding uh, master's degree and still get in here, at least what I've heard. Well, hold on. There's that cool area by the UT Medical Center, which always cracks me up. Like I went over there to get my foot uh, checked out originally and uh, getting my x-rays and stuff. And look, UT Med is a wild place. It, mm-hmm. There's no rules at UT Medical Center. Uh, what I've learned, it's just it's chaos. Parking is chaos. It's a it's a wild event. But then I'm like leaving and you're just passing this farm when you're driving out of the, the parking deck. And I'm like, is that a goat? Why are there seven sheep over there? What, what are we doing? And you're like, oh, yeah, the veterinary is, uh, area is just right there. But there's just this little farm. And I'm like, oh, East Tennessee is perfect. What, what are we oh, doing? yeah. So fun fact before we move on, mm-hmm. that little farm is actually a research a research facility, not just for the vet school, actually more for animal science department, the graduate and stuff. Um, huh. Two of the world's. Uh, leading animal breeding scientists work there. Um, hmm. And those two, that farm you're talking about was the place where the first ever sheep was ever cloned. I believe it was like the second or third mammal behind Dolly the sheep. It was happened right really? there in the farm. Yes, sir. I also pulled, I pr- helped perform a C-section on a pregnant pig there. Did you and, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is that what your degree's in? Oh, yes, sir. I wasn't kid. I wasn't. Oh, I, I thought was, you were doing a bit. Oh, no, no. 
Oh, no, no. You don't do I, anything like that now. Like, no. that's why I was like, I was not expecting that. Okay, My hold first on. job was in it, but yeah, no. But anyways, people don't want to hear about this no, right now. No, hold on. What? I didn't know this. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, amazing. But, yeah, I'll tell you some more interesting a facts. C-section on a pig. Oh, uh-huh. my God. You don't usually do that, but Dude, she... I'd pass out, man. Like, I cannot handle blood or anything. Like, I would pass out. It's not as bad as you think, because I'm not really good with some of that stuff either, but you get used to it real fast. So... That's anyways, amazing. That'll be some that'll be some trivia I'll sprinkle out then over the next few shows <laughs> just to mess with you guys. So I like it. Um man, were I you there for the, the the cloning? Were you No, that was that? before my time. That was uh, early, early two thousands. I got there in uh, well, I got to UT at two thousand five, but I didn't start at Animal Science until two thousand seven. So Man, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, it's pretty neat. I don't use my degree anymore, but I hey, had one job that I did, so there's but, still time. We have yeah. we have a long time. You never know. Yeah. Um, you never know what will pop back in. Um what we'll also never know is uh if the national predators are worth our time, Brian Bastin. <laughs> I wonder about this a lot. Um right now, like I'm in a in a rough uh fan state, Brian. Mm-hmm. So You're most nights I'm no, because I'm doing like four hours of hawks and preds mm-hmm. and it's been pretty miserable like the balls aren't here on the weekends to balance it out at least we have tennessee basketball what um, a time that we can say that like oh man i wish that we had <laughs> tennessee football so we could see some, a team being successful what, what a day we live in i know but for tennessee football to rise uh the Nashville preds had to die and it's funny because a couple weeks ago on our last preds power hour we were like kind of optimistic we're like december looks okay like this is probably like a seven eight seed in the west like this is a team that should be okay mm-hmm. and then they're not okay they lose six to the oilers they're just still awful on the power play which we'll get into but like in your estimation uh brian what is the current state of the preds before we get into uh what happened with uh mr tolvanen ah yes so um it's it's not <sighs> It's not as different um, as, as I've kind of talked about in the past. Um, there's some things that have happened. Again, we talked about December a little bit and heading into December, end of November, that the schedule was a little bit more favorable for them. Um, you know, But then they kind of surprised us coming into the first weekend of, of December with back-to-backs against New Jersey and, and the Islanders. And you know, New Jersey is one of the best teams in the entire league and beat them in overtime. They beat the, Oiler, or the Islanders 4-1. to one. And then they had a five-day break. Um, and it's been just downhill from there. Now, granted, the opponents so far for, after that uh, were uh, Tampa Bay, which they're still very good. Ottawa, which is below Nashville in the standings. St. Louis, another team below Nashville in the standings. And then the Oilers, who were only, a, I think, last time I looked. Let me double check so I can tell you the right thing. Edmonton is sitting at 34 points. Nashville's at 27. So they are above. But Edmonton is ridiculous um Mm. we'll get back to that here in a second too but um the month does not get any easier they are at winnipeg tonight winnipeg famous for not having an airport um (laughs) being the jets it's very ironic they do have an airport but it's just a joke um then they go to colorado on saturday then they have edmonton again on monday at home then they finally get a little bit of a break with uh going to the uh, chicago that team up north and then colorado and then dallas um, they get one more sort of easy game against Anaheim than Vegas to, on New Year's Eve. This schedule, there are, I will say that there are a, I'm going to, again, just say maybe five points 
if if they're lucky five points on this on the rest of this lineup that they can they can get standings points because i don't see them being able to pull anything out against colorado edmonton colorado again dallas is looking even better every single game i watch them vegas is still a very good team i mean anaheim and chicago are kind of the the hope that that should be the two that they should win and maybe they'll be able to pull something out against the the, the winnipeg jets tonight but i don't have a ton of faith and and there's, there's jets a lot have of, lost two straight though yeah that's true um but i still like them a little bit more in tonight's game one because they're at home and two Nashville's in a little bit of disarray. Obviously, you know, uh, Mark Borowiecki and Ryan McDonough were both put on injured reserve at the beginning of the month. And then in the game against, gosh, was that St. Louis? I believe so. Um, Yes, uh, or Ottawa, one of the two. It's been a minute. Um, uh, They lost uh, Alex Alex Carrier and Jeremy Lazan, putting them down to that play the whole game. I think they only had four defensemen that played like half of that game. So... You know, those injuries kind of kicked off a, a long uh, a domino, a row of dominoes that made a lot of different changes. But um, one of those changes we'll talk about here in a second. But now they are down. You know, they've got Kevin Gravel and um, God, I, is, I am blanking on it right now. Um, the other call up. Wow. I should know this off the top of my head. I apologize. Um, but anyway, they pulled those guys yeah, out from the, AHL, um, from the AHL. Um, they have been serviceable, which is fine. Um, you know, but forward wise, they've been healthy. All the scratches yeah. for the forwards have been healthy scratches. And, you know, and if we see what, what's happened to some of those healthy scratches, um, <laughs> but, but it's, oh yeah, it's, um, McEwen. That's his name. Gosh. Mm. Um, so anyways, but yeah, they, he did a good job, but they've, you know, so they're down, um, they're down defensemen. In fact, you know, they've got the, uh, Jordan Gross, McCown, and uh, Gravel all, you know, started in Milwaukee. And because of these call-ups, Milwaukee's had to pull up. They've had to sign two extra defensemen for the time being. So the defensive part of the, the team, the defense is, is is struggling just from injuries and also just not playing very well. The defense is, is porous. Um, UC Saros, you know, eye testing it, you think like, yeah, he was getting better, but it still feels like he's not quite there. But then you go and look at the metrics, and, and one of the things that I use to kind of evaluate goalies is looking at a goal saved above expected. So basically, based on the quality of the shots that the opponents are taking, how many goals should they like expect to have based on that quality, and then what do they actually have? And UC Soros has saved uh, saved like six and a half or seven goals above expected. So what that's telling me is, one, he's sixth in the NHL right now with that, which means mm-hmm. that's very good. But two, that he looks like he's struggling, but he's actually doing an incredible job given that the defense ahead of him looks like Swiss cheese, especially close to the net. They're, they're doing a good job defending out on the perimeter, but that's not what you want to do in hockey uh, and force everything inside. Cause that's not how it's going to, that's going to be a disaster. And that's what it's been. Um, you know, UC Soros, it, unfortunately this team is reckoning with something they've reckoned with for, for years, uh, you know, before even I covered this team, which was, how many times can a goaltender get a team or a coach out of trouble? Uh, Pecorine, you know, there were games where it's just the Ducks like have been doing this for a decade. Yes, they have. My boy, John Gibson deserves <laughs> a, a medal of honor for his service mm-hmm. there. But uh, the same thing, you know, you saw it's like, he's doing fine. You know, it looks bad because these scores are like five, six goals against, but I mean, he's, he, he's doing the best he can with what he's got in front of him. And it's something that, you know, yeah, there's been injuries in the, in the defense, which has affected really, I think, in my opinion, mostly affect the the penalty kill because McDonough um, and Borvietsky were big on the penalty kill. But other than that, like 
I mean, Yo, like Yossi's defensive metrics aren't doing good. The only defenseman that I feel like that's really standing out right now is Matthias Ekholm, and he's doing a tremendous job and not getting talked about enough. But it, it, it's hard to be optimistic right now. Um, but it's also be like, I don't see the bottom falling out. It's the most Preds thing ever to be on December 15th to be exactly 500. They are 12, 12, and 3. Mm-hmm. And then the point differential minus fifteen. They they're not a good home team, which is weird. They're seven five and two at home and five seven and one on the road. They're about the same whether they're at home, they're on the road. It's just basically a coin flip. Every Preds game you turn on, you're like, ah, it doesn't really matter where they're playing. Uh, yeah, they could win, they could lose. Um, but I look at it, I'm like, I still just don't think the bottom's falling out. Like even with all the injuries and everything else, they're just. I think this is just where they're going to be. They're going to keep hovering around 500. Do you think the bottom falls out? So that's a, I mean, it's valid to think that, and it's kind of how it's been for a couple of years. But yeah. I would say some of the events of the last couple of weeks, especially this week, may change that. Um, well, let's get into Tolvanen. What happened yes. here? And why are Preds fans ready to jump ship with uh, what happened here? Yeah. So... I had to like gather myself emotionally now. So um, basically, you know, Tolvanen has played 13 games this season, has been a healthy scratch and, and nobody quite knows why, you know, some of the the explanations are given is that, you know, that he, he's just not, he, you know, he wasn't really focused. He was, he's not seeing the results from the things, you know, he's not scoring basically in Mm -hmm. a nutshell. It's he's not scoring, which is, again, I always think is ironic because, they, the, the message all last year was that, you know, we're going to really focus him on developing his 200 foot game. He's going to be a, a guy who needs to be tough to play against on both ends of the ice. And he has been like mm-hmm. beyond my wildest expectations. He's just not scoring goals, which is a valid thing, except for like not nobody's really scoring a ton of goals right now either. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so that's part of it. But they had healthy scratched him for a while. So then. You know, this weekend rolls around and we start to find out that, you know, they're down two defensemen. So they're going to have to call two two players up. And because they're not going on long term IR, they're going to have to they're going to have to make you know room uh, slightly after all of that happens. Um, the NHLPA announces that Michael McCarron forward, he is entering the um, player assistance program. So he's going to be away from the team for a little bit. And, and we all hope that things go well. This works really well for him. Uh, former goaltender Connor Ingram went through that and said the Preds were super supportive throughout that whole process. So that's a nice thing for, for McCarron. I hope everything goes well. But then maybe 30, 40 minutes later, all of a sudden we all see a waiver, the waiver announcement. And the only player on the, on waivers that day was Ellie Tolvanen of Nashville and things kind of broke down. There wasn't a lot of explanation. They did not have any home games like, you know, like in that immediate vicinity. So there wasn't going to be a lot of press. They immediately were going uh, out to, to St. Louis. And so there really wasn't a chance for us to get, get, you know, statements from the team or anything like that. Um, Sean Shapiro, Please go follow him on Twitter. He's fantastic. Um, you know, he had got he had reported that there was a lot of confidence um, internally with the Preds that they were confident that he was going to clear, um, which hmm. is interesting because I think I think the, the prevailing thought is behind that maybe is that he's got a, a year like a year and a, a year and a half left on his deal and he's a restric- restricted free agent after that and that might have scared some teams away. I don't know. And to be honest, I was very surprised because I had him penciled in going to Anaheim, Chicago, someone at the top of the waiver order. Um, and he made it all the way to 21st to Seattle. Um, so maybe there was some truth behind the fact that they maybe thought he was going to clear. But, you know, the timeline on when did they find out about McCarran? Because McCarran, you know, is coming off, will come off the roster and free up a spot. 
and when did they make this decision to to put Ellie uh, Ellie on waivers? Mm. Um, but from what we can, like, things like little clues that we're gathering at this moment right now is is that they, you know, this is a guy that was scratched for, you know, he's only played 13 games. He's been healthy scratched for a while now and hasn't really played any, you know, seen any minutes in, in several weeks. So I don't know that they really you know, had him as part of their like immediate plans for the season. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that they did this with the intention of um, putting him, you know, trying to get him to go through Milwaukee and then getting him back at some point. But I don't think they were too like surprised by him being claimed, which also begs several questions. You know, did somebody try to make a trade? Did he try, did they try to make a trade? They explore that where they're interested, you know, offers on that, uh, things like that. But the point being is that, Tolvanen was put in a hard position because he came into the league and everybody said one dimensional guy. He's a shot. He's a shot only like, you know, he's going to mm. be like a little miniature Ovechkin. Um, and then everybody's, you know, but that was the criticism. He's one dimensional, one dimensional, one dimensional. But there are still guys like that that are useful. That's okay. He can mm. play. Yeah. If he's and, one dimensional for 13 minutes, but he scores, that's fine. He's, he's a very good defensive forward this right. season in his limited time. Um, but so, but then he's, you know, there probably weren't any trade offers, at least not even any rumors that anybody reported on. And probably mm. has to do with the fact that they've had him sitting on the shelf for the last few weeks. You know, they're not putting him on the ice to kind of showcase him to other teams like scouts that are at games. You know, there's usually eight, 12, 15 scouts at every game um, from different teams. What are they going to do with this guy that he's been sitting on the bench? They can't get any, they can't get a ton of evaluation because I know that they love live evaluation like that before a trade. So, you know, it's kind of like, what were their plans? Like, it, it, it seems like he has not played for a few weeks and that they've had their mind kind of on this for a while, which, yeah. again, understandable if this was a team that was a better team and he was just not performing at all offensively, but they're not. And they have a problem on defense. They have a problem on offense. Their power play is the third worst in the league by, a, I mean, it's just, it's not good. Um and and so, but Tolvanen was great there. I mean, that's what kind of one of his assets was on the power play. And, and and you look at some of the metrics; he's generating chances. He's generating quality chances on the power play. He's just not getting those goals himself. But he's doing a lot of good work. And I'm just going to be honest; like that's it was not a good decision. This it's 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 complete in my opinion. It's asset mismanagement. This is a guy that was 1.4 million dollars, something like that, I believe, over two years. He's still a young player, and and I like to reference this quote from from Michael McCurdy, who said, you know, he says, I, I dream of the day when NHL teams will play young players who might be bad instead of veteran players who definitely are bad. And and that's this is just like the coaching problem in NHL where it's like, instead of just taking a chance on an out of the box hire, they're like, Hey, remember this guy? He's mm -hmm. let's just keep retread, 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 retread. Mm -hmm. Yep. And that's, I they're mean, that's very risk averse. Yes. But I think it's also that, you know, some coaches, some GMs, they like their certain guys and yeah, but some guys that, you know, they keep on for way long time and, you know, like they this is funny. It's just like the opposite of what happened in the NBA. Like the mm -hmm. NBA is now full G League where it's like, why would we pay Jamal Crawford at 39 to play 12 minutes and be this guy when we can play this G League who makes significantly less and he can give us 70 percent of what this guy can give us. And he's going to be our 11th or 12th guy like it's they've flipped NHL is not there yet. Mm, yeah, and and the NHL, I don't know that they will be anytime soon, unfortunately. <laughs> but you know, it, it it's it's it is interesting because it's just it's 
one, this guy's, you know, number, he's a number one draft pick or first mm. round draft pick, uh, 2017, the year after the cup, uh, you know, lots of fanfare. He had dropped, um, all the way to 31st or 30th, mm. like at the time for Nashville, you know, and it was great. And people, Nashville fans were watching, watching KHL games, watching Joker it, you know, like the Finnish team in the, in the Russian professional league, like watching games overseas, like to see Tolvanen. And yes, he hasn't come in and been exactly what they wanted, but to be fair, this team does not have a pedigree of developing forwards at all. I mean, drafting, there are drafting forwards that get developed. I mean, if you look at all of the, of the leading scores on the team, like the top six right now, I think one game ago, the only player that Nashville had drafted was Colton Sisson sitting in hmm. uh, centering on the second line. Forsberg, not drafted by Nashville, you know, Grandland, you know, Duchesne, Niederreiter, Johansson, um, just you go, the list goes on. There's a ton of guys that just, they developed or they did well now, but none of the, you know, Tanner Janot was undrafted. I guess you can count him on that. Uh, defensively, there's Josi, Ekholm, Fabro, like Carrier. They're great. They know what they're doing there. They know what they're doing on goaltending. But for forwards, it's been a problem. You know, they, they drafted a guy like Kevin Fiala and just couldn't get that production out of him. He goes to Minnesota. There it is. You mm. look at, you know, like guys like Rim Pitt, like Ryan Hartman. You look, it's just, you see these guys and you say, oh, they come here and they're just not performing. So what's the deal with these players? And then they go somewhere else and they're performing, not, you know, not always incredibly, but they're performing well. And you're like, oh, it's just that, you know, Nashville, you know, outside of last season with John Hines, credit to John Hines for getting the amazing seasons out of his big players like he did. But it's right back to kind of what it feels like normal. It's just this team. They have to find outside help to get it. And they gave up on Ellie Tolvin and a guy that has potential that did the things that were asked of him. And then he was rewarded with that, with getting the healthy scratch right before the playoffs last season. And then healthy scratch for about half this season already, you know, already. It's not great. I'm not super happy. It's just, just bad. Like to lose him for nothing. Like that's the other part of it. it just stings. It's just yes. a first round pick for nothing and never contributed and just gone. And and then they're all like, and you you like a lot of and know a lot of folks in the Kraken organization. So it's like if he does well, they're I mean, Preds fans want wish him well, but like it's just what are we doing? Why were the Kraken <laughs> able to uh you ready for this? Why were they able to crack the code that is uh uh, told and let me tell you why you want to know why i think they made a good really smart decision i'm ready they, they were built to be a team based on using current technology using current things and then thing they, they hired some of the best people in analytics to, to mm. go in their department um we got to see i got to see it two weeks ago in seattle at the at the analytics conference yeah. they know what they're doing They've got, these people are that are at the top of their game on stuff. And these are people that I followed on Twitter like three years ago. They helped me with make some like old scripts and charts and stuff. And now they're working for NHL teams and presenting, you know, to these big crowds and things like that. They're doing their homework and and they've got Allison Lucan who is like my role model. Like if I'm gonna have a poster of an athlete or somebody on my my bedroom wall now, it's probably Allison for what she does. You know, she's a, she's now you know works for the Kraken. She's on their TV broadcast. She does this thing analytics with Allison. She's fantastic. And I'm 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 sure that you know all these things they're, they're looking at this guy and they see what I see. You know, but they also know a lot more about hockey than me too. So I'm sure that them doing this was a sign to me really that. One, I mean, why not at this point? Like, why not do put in a waiver claim, especially if you're Seattle, you're 21st. You're probably like, I mean, we won't get him unless we try. Uh, but I get I, they do their homework, and so I have. I mean, they're making Martin Jones look good this season. Yeah. I mean, so it's, and, and I want to say kudos to the Predators fan, fan base because 
the prevailing thought when it was announced that he was claimed was not like, oh God, another. They're all just like, you know what? He's probably going to be a lot happier there, and I hope he balls out. You know, if you can say ball out for hockey, but you can, um, Let's do yeah, it. yeah. And he probably he may or may not. You don't. I don't know. But point being is that like it just felt like it. Nashville was not a place that he probably wants to be this season, and I don't blame him one bit. You know, I'm pretty sure that a lot of the fans, including you, think the same thing right now. Is like, eh, I just really wish I wasn't having to watch this or do this, you know. And so it's just, it's not, it, it, it's just poor and 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 just poor planning, poor management, and it's confusing. But you know, again, is it affecting the on ice product? Technically not, because he hasn't been playing. So, Whew. well, Preds tonight. Uh, on the road um, in Edmonton, and then we'll see what happens. The or Winnipeg, excuse me, and we'll see what happens the rest of the way. But um, in between now and then, uh, Brian, what would you encourage Pred fans to keep an eye on this week? Oh my God! Um, sorry. Now that's um, so. I think what it's going to be important. I think this week is one is they're going to watch to see how the those you know Gravel and McEwen are doing on defense um Borvietsky um and McDonough could come off of IR at any point um mm-hmm. I think that they're within that window of being you know uh based on their injuries probably ready to come back uh so there's that watch how those defensive players are doing but also you know we got to they've got to find out we got to figure out where this offense where the offense is coming from and why it's not coming from the big players um, mm. and, and watch coaching decisions because whether anybody in the organization will admit it or not, you know, Heinz is under a microscope right now. And, you know, but that it's going to be interesting to see what's being done, knowing that he's going into the rest of this month, you know, going to be probably the underdog for the 85, 90% of the games. And, and so it's going to be interesting, you know, because normally in this type of a case, if you're a team that's underperforming or not very good and you've got, a, you've got young talent, is you get the young talent in there to get those minutes. Whether, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, they're probably going to get, you know, abused like they do against Edmonton. Um, but you get those young players in there. But we're still looking at Philip Tomasino still in the AHL. Billy Tolvanen gone now, you know. But but Cole Smith still getting his minutes, you know, and I've, I've kind of come around on the fact that, you know, everybody was always been mad about Cole Smith getting these time. But you know what? He's he's been performing just about as well as a lot of the players, you know, so it, it, it's, it's interesting. But I will say this. One of the other things that and this is just amazing and it's kind of a pro nothing, but the Edmonton game. So mm. Nashville has now lost uh, eight straight to Edmonton. Uh, hmm. nine of the last 10, but interestingly enough, before that streak of, you know, the nine of 10 before that, the hmm. Predators had a 14 game winning streak against Edmonton. The, but you know, if the, the stat that just blows my mind every time is Leon Dreisaitl, he has played the Nashville Predators 22 times in his career. He has 21 goals hmm. and 35 points in 21 games against Nashville. He's averaging wow. Over almost a point and a half a game, which is unreal. And he's averaging a goal per game against Nashville. This was his second straight game against Nashville where he had five points. Like that's wild. He's had two games. He's had, I think now four of his twenty-two games have had. He's had more than three goals against Nashville. Like it's just he is an unbelievable player. And you know you can account for that guy. But oh yeah, there's still there's still Connor McDavid. You know. 
And yeah, and you know, and now like who? If I had to ask you just to guess, who do you think the two players for Edmonton who have gotten hat tricks for for uh, against Nashville were? Who do you who do you think those players would be? I have no idea. So you might think McDavid, Drysaddle, yeah. good safe bets. Nope, Evander Kane and Zach Hyman. And you might say who? Yeah, yeah I don't even know who's like. Yeah, and so basically that's the thing is like you can account for these types of players, but it's it's a hallmark of of what this team struggles against. <laughs> you saw it in Colorado. You saw it everywhere. Yeah, it, it, fast teams, fast technical teams that don't mess up. They can try their bully them against the boards game, but it doesn't last. Yeah, and they, I mean, the Edmonton game wasn't as wide open as it looked. The final score looked, but they can, this type of game can can win you a game against a Calgary or a Vancouver or a Dallas maybe. But it's not going to beat Colorado. It's not going to beat Vegas. It's not going to beat Edmonton, as we've learned. Yeah, it, it, it's what's it's what's keeping Nashville mediocre, mm. and that's exactly what this team is. Not just by me calling them that, but the record. <laughs> I mean, and honestly, I think they're performing. The record is above probably the way the, of what they're performing at right now. I mean, this is a team that is firmly, I think, going to end the season in contention for a lottery top 10 pick. And I, I it's, I, I am a more optimistic than most about this team, but there's nothing that I've seen in the last few weeks that has given me much confidence in, are they going to adjust what they're doing? Cause the power play has not budged one bit. It is. And like, you know, the power play or you know, thing, the players don't move and they're bad at it. And it's, it's not grading anything. In fact, they're giving up shorthanded goals now. And it's, we're not seeing these changes. You know, you usually see a guy who, when people start talking about firing a coach, they get rid of an assistant to and have somebody else run the power play. None of that's happening. Um, I don't have, you know, the fans have lost confidence in the, in the roster decisions that the the front office is making. And there may be reasons for some of them, but a lot of them are head scratchers. And so it's hard to believe that, you know, if, if someone told me right now that Nashville is planning on being buyers at the trade deadline and going out and getting somebody, I don't think there'd be very much excitement, even just as a fan, because I'd be like, who are they getting ready to overpay for? Why are they doing this? <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and, and it's, you know, this is, it's not a place to where this team is, is somewhere where like uh, more players are going to, it's not like there's, you could put Connor McDavid right now on the Nashville Predators the rest of the season. They might squeak into the playoffs. I mean, I just, I just it's, it's, it's a system thing. Like I refuse to believe that Phil Forsberg, Matt Duchesne, you know, all these guys, Roman Yossi, are not great players. I refuse to believe that. And again, they're having decent years, but not what they had last year. And that's to be expected, but they're not showing up on the score sheet. They're not being, Forsberg especially is not being put in the position to succeed as much as he has. Like power play, they just have him sitting on the left side on the wall in the perimeter. That's not mm-hmm. where you put a guy like Forsberg. Uh, and it's 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 great because you watch games and you see somewhere usually in the second period, Forsberg gets the, this moment where he goes, yeah, I'm going to have to do this all by myself. And it's mm-hmm. not, you know, he's not scoring right now, but you can just tell there's a difference. You know, he's like, it's, I'm not doing things the way that we're doing it. I'm just going to one man show this. And he's very good at doing that. But I always like that moment because you can tell, like, it usually happens where he's like, where they're down a goal or two goals and not much is changing. So he's just like, I can't, I have to mm-hmm. do something about this. And and I just refuse to believe that this team is this bad, even though they're 500. I don't, I don't think that this team has talent to be as bad as they have been and how they've played. And so honestly, a lot of it, I think comes down to coaching. And again, I like John Hines quite a bit as a coach and as a person, but what's happening right now and the lack of movement and the lack of change is, is concerning because it's saying that either 
he's just he's going to stick by his guns and it's going to work or maybe worse is that the front office they have confidence in what he's doing and are like yeah keep doing what you're doing because i mean i don't think that this waiver putting tolvin in on, on waivers was a decision made just by poil i i have to imagine that he had to talk to the ownership and things like that and so you know if that's what happened and then you know what the rot's coming from the top i think more mm. Likely than it is the bottom. Yes, there are individual players not performing. There are guys that are disappointing. There's injuries, but I don't. I don't see an effort issue by this team. I don't see an effort. I, they've got six bench miners for too many men on the ice, including like three, three. I think three in the last five games. That's a coaching thing. That's discipline. They're a penal, heavily penalized team. That's a discipline thing. You know, I, I, last year was great and a lot of praise. All the praise. You know, I think Coach Hines should have gotten a little bit more votes for for Coach of the Year, but it's it's rough now and yeah. it doesn't seem to be anything changing other than lineups and it's just it's just shuffling deck chairs on the titanic it feels like at this point go preds yeah uh, right? <laughs> brian baston of on the forecheck what can the good folks check out from you and the team over on the forecheck.com this week yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, really great. All those new people that we've got, they had, we formally got them on. Some of them are writing stuff right now. Um, you want to talk a little bit about the Nashville special teams, our guy, Brendan Farrell, he, he's done a really excellent piece that came out this morning. Go check it out. Um, defensive scoring has been down this season by Preds defensemen. And so new author Catherine, she took a look at that yesterday. There's great stuff. Uh, Jeff, who's been our, on our, our staff, a great thing about asset mismanagement and uh he was still fired up when he started it he was, you know when he started it that day when it happened and he was fired up two days later when he finished it so it's a great read go check that out i've got some stat stuff coming up it's going to be good um there's a lot i mean it's 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 sometimes it's hard because you're when you, when you we're writing about a bad team so it feels like we're writing about a lot of the same things over and over but luckily for my for, for the fine staff at on the forecheck is nashville's finding new and interesting ways to be bad or lose games so we always have something there to, to talk about but again want to talk about prospects prospects are looking fantastic the pipeline's looking strong so keep excited like to see how that unfolds for the preds because pipeline prospects are great yes and i'll say one last thing before we finish up and mm. the predators fans it's hard yeah. This isn't great. A lot of you, if you're like me and you're just a filthy bandwagoner, you came on when they were in the cup run, you're like, great. And then it's been kind of disappointing. It's hard right now to feel optimism. It's very easy to feel apathetic about this team. I will say this, though. At some point in this season, if it continues to go bad, we are going to enter a one of my favorite places in all of sports when it's a team is bad and they just say, screw it and they just they just go they just do it they do interesting stuff they try new things you know they it's it's throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks that's my favorite time in sports i love that i love when bad teams are just like you know what we're gonna try a bunch of stuff that we normally wouldn't when we're in contention and so you have that to look forward to you know pick a guy that's low on the roster and just start cheering for him you know it, like all the time you know say we want jeremy Lazan to score his first goal with nashville at some point this year like get rowdy about that. There's still things to get to get excited about. And I don't think this is a team that's destined to be bad for a long time. Although yeah. that seems like something that people covering the Predators have said for a few years now, <laughs> but I, I, there is hope. Um, you know, so th there's there that. There is hope. See, there yeah. we go. We can end yeah. positively. There's hope. I mean, B uh, Barry Trotz, I think lives in Nashville now. So there. if that's your form of hope, then great. <laughs> oh my goodness. Brian Baston, always a pleasure. Charlie, miss you this week. Uh, 
I'll talk to you next week, uh, right before Christmas, sir. We're mm-hmm. getting there, the, the last uh, last pod before Christmas. So you have yourself a great weekend, my friend, and I will talk to you next week. Thanks a lot. This has been Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you, but you're interviewing, Mm -hmm. you're um, pleasantness, you're smart. So I think I'm going to hear big things about you. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.